We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. We were started talking about the seven mountains. We're calling this series the seven mountains assignment. This morning will be the third message in this series of uh, the seven mountains. Just to give a little bit of review what we've been talking about. Uh, somewhere around 1975, God spoke to three of his the men of God here across the world. And he told them that the church, if the church is going to be able to disciple nations, then the church, God's people, must go in to the seven spheres of influence or seven mind molders, or we're calling it seven mountains. And they must affect the culture in these seven spheres. If the church can affect the culture then the church can disciple nations. And interestingly, when you go back into the Bible, you find that Isaiah prophesied something along those same lines. Micah prophesied something along those same lines. Isaiah in chapter 2 verse 2 and Micah chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, they said, it will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established on top of the other mountains. To be established on top means to have influence. To be established on top of other mountains and hills. And all nations will flow to it. The discipling of nations will happen. As God's people begin to take their positions to influence other mountains. And we talked in depth about what those mountains mean and so on. Last Sunday we talked about the mountain of business. And how we as a church can, as God's people, how we can begin to affect the mountain of business. This morning I want to try to address Two mountains, the mountains of education and arts and entertainment. And I want to acknowledge I already failed in that attempt. This morning at the 8.30 a.m. service, I was able to only cover the mountain of education. But I'm going to try it again. Because next Sunday we have an even more ambitious plan. We need to cover three mountains, media, government, and religion. And so I'm not sure how we're going to do it. But let's just begin. Let's talk about the mountain of education Essentially, we want to talk about some of the promises of God related to this mountain. We want to talk about some of the challenges we're going to face. What is Satan doing on that mountain? And how can we, count, how can we go into that mountain with the giftings of God? What are some of the strategies we could use in trying to affect the culture in this whole mountain of education or this sphere? When we talk about mountain, just you know, in our minds, we think about some big huge thing to climb. It's just a terminology, mountain. So think about it as a sphere, an area of society that we have to influence, right? So don't necessarily think that, you know, it's like climbing up Mount Everest and such an intimidating task. Now, when we talk about education, we're talking about the system of learning, of imparting training, knowledge, and hopefully equipping people for life. We're talking about this entire system of learning. What are some of the promises that we find that are in God's word, which are relevant to the mountain of education. First of all, we find that God is the source of all wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You know, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, go to school. No. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. James 1 verse 5. So that's the source of all wisdom, learning, and understanding. God is the source. So when you and I are con- looking at the mountain of education, hey, we're going connected to God, who is the source of all wisdom, learning, and understanding. Proverbs 2 verse 5 says, The Lord gives wisdom and knowledge. Out of his mouth comes understanding. 
So God is the source of all learning and understanding. The second promise that you and I can take as we go into the mountain of education, and all of you students, please listen very carefully, that God gives us the ability to learn. Amen? That God is able to empower us, empower our ability to grasp concepts, increase our understanding. Great scripture on this is in Daniel chapter 1 or verse 17, where it says, it's talking about the four Hebrew boys, it says, As for these four men, God gave them knowledge and skill and in, in all learning and in all wisdom, God gave them the ability to learn, to assimilate the knowledge in art and science of Babylon. So God gave them the ability. So we can look to God and say, God, you are the source of our knowledge and understanding. Increase my capacity, increase my ability to learn, to understand, to grasp, to assimilate knowledge. God gives us the ability to learn. And thirdly, as we look at John chapter 1 verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life is the light of men. It is the illumination. It is the enlightening of men. So in him is life. He carries life, the life of God. When he gets into you, what happens? His life comes into you. And what does his life do to you? His life is your light. It's your enlightening. It's your illumination. It is the, that part of you that has the ability to make you a bright person. And you look at somebody and say, well, he's a bright person. He's got light inside. His life is your light. Increases your capacity, your ability to learn. Amen? There was a story of, a, and I've read about this story, but he, of a young person who had a learning disability. But he took this scripture to heart. But said, his life is my light. In him is life, and his life is the light of men. He took this scripture and he said, God, your life in me is my light. It's my illumination. It will enable me, give me the capacity to learn. And sure enough, because of the word of God working, and God working in his life, he was able to go well beyond, complete his education, well beyond what people thought he would be able to do. So the His life really enlightens us, gives us the ability to learn. Number three is this, that the ability to teach is also a gift from God. The ability to teach, the ability to impart knowledge, the ability to cause others to learn is a gift from God. And many of you sitting here have that gift inside you. You have that ability inside you. It's a God-given ability put in you so that you can make an effect or impact on the mountain of education. A scripture that we could look at is in the book of Exodus, the 35th chapter, verses 30 to 35. It's talking about all the craftsmen who were to work on the tabernacle project and build the tabernacle. And it tells us there in verse 34, it says, And God put in his heart the ability to teach. God put in his heart the ability to teach. So God has put in the hearts and the lives of some of us that ability to impart knowledge to others. That's a gift from God that has prepared you for this mountain of education. So as you and I look at this mountain of education, we know that God is our source. We are connected to Him. He's the source of all knowledge, understanding, wisdom. And God gives us the ability to learn. And it is also God who empowers us to teach. Romans 12, 6 and 7 make it so clear that teaching is a gift that God puts in His people. It's a gift from God. What are some of the challenges on the mountain of education? As you and I begin to go in there, We will see some challenges. For instance, atheism is a major challenge. Can you imagine in schools, people open, you know, they come to fifth standard or something, sixth, they open the biology book and they read, man was not created by, I mean, they don't even talk about God. Man came out of fill in the blanks, whatever you want, you know. 
We evolved from apes. So we evolved and everything came out of nothing. And they begin to put this into the hearts and the minds of young children. Atheism is such a major challenge on the mountain of education. Right from an early age, begin to say, there is no God. But you and I know what the Bible teaches us. Psalm 14:1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's foolish to make that statement, that there is no God. But that's a major challenge. Another challenge, probably more prevalent, is humanism. Humanism basically is the elevation of the human intellect and subjecting everything to reason, logic, and understanding. Humanism basically excludes the presence of God, the possibility of the supernatural, and the possibility of divine intervention. Humanism says everything can be explained. You say, I went to church, they prayed for me, I got healed. No, we can explain it. It's mind over matter. So that's humanism. It tries to explain everything within the limitations of understanding. And in so doing, they eliminate God. Eliminate the need of his faith in God. Eliminate the, the, the possibility of divine intervention and the supernatural. Humanism is another major challenge that you and I will face on the mountain of education. What does the Bible say? First Corinthians one twenty one says, The world through wisdom did not know God. The world through its intellectual capabilities, through its intellectual abilities cannot comprehend God. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to man. They try to explain everything, but the end of it is death. It doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to the truth. That's a major challenge. Another third challenge on the mountain of education is pride. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1 says, Knowledge puffs up. Just makes your head bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Not physically. But pride is what we're talking about. You get so much knowledge. So much. You think you learn so much. And, and, and makes people proud. I am so educated. Therefore, I cannot do these kinds of works. Or I cannot do this kind. I cannot do. No, I cannot wipe the kitchen table because I have a PhD. And that's Pride. I'm not saying that it happens everywhere. But in essence, knowledge results in pride. And pride is a big challenge on the mountain of education. Pride uh, makes us unwilling to listen and receive uh, from others as well. So three major challenges on the mountain of education. Atheism, humanism and pride. And we have to face it that Satan has a vested interest on the mountain of education. There are demonic powers operating in this whole realm of education. In fact, when God created Lucifer, the archangel, one of his qualities was wisdom. The Bible says in Ezekiel 28, he was full of wisdom. Now when he fell, he perverted everything. He began to use it for wrong reasons. Began to use that capacity that God put in him for wrong things. Satan's major tactic on the mountain of education is deception. Deceive people. How do you deceive? What is deception? Deception can take one of many forms. Deception is this, you believe a lie as though it is the truth. Deception is also, you reject a truth as though it was a lie. Deception is also, you think you know when you really don't know. So deception can take on so many forms. And Satan's major tactic on the mountain of education is to deceive people. Keep them from the truth or keep the truth away from them. Or get them to think they know when they really don't know. Deceive people. Why? Because the Bible says... 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3, it says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel should shine. Why does he want to deceive people? So he can blind their minds. When their minds are blinded, 
they want, he, he tries to prevent the light of the gospel from penetrating. In Romans 1, you see some of these things about deception. Verse 18, Romans 1.18 says that the anger of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth. They don't want the truth to go out. It's a work of deception. Verse 21 continues, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Thinking that they were wise, they actually went into foolish ways. And in the process, they exchanged the truth for a lie. That is Satan's working, causing men to go aside. And interestingly, this was Satan's number one tactic in the Garden of Eden. Deceived Adam and Eve into disobeying God. Another major tactic of the enemy is intellectualism. Basically elevating reason to such a high level that it displaces God. Making education an end in itself is another major tactic. It began in the garden. You know, when he went to Adam and Eve, God had told him, don't eat of that fruit. He said, did God really tell you not to eat of that fruit? You know why? Because he doesn't want you to get an education. He didn't put it that way. He put it like this. He doesn't want your eyes to be open. Because then you will know good and evil. See, he doesn't want you to have your eyes open. He doesn't want you to know these things. That's the first tactic of the enemy. Deceive people. Elevate intellectualism to a place where it displaces God. It says you don't need that. You don't need God. As long as your eyes are open. As long as you know. That is an end in itself. Satan's tactic on the mountain of education. I want to talk a little bit now about some testimonies. Some encouraging testimonies of Christians on the mountain of education. And uh, I just want to thank Carl Bob. I don't know. Carl, are you here this morning? Ah, stand up. Let's give him a good hand. Thank you, Carl. He helped me with some of the research here. Thank you so much. So some of the information I'm about to share with you, Carl sent it to me. I think it's very useful here. Some testimonies of how early missionaries began to recognize that education, the mountain of education was so important. And this is so encouraging to know that what the things we're talking about were things that they actually considered, the early missionaries considered back then when they began their missions. And I'm, I'm just presenting this in relationship to our own nation because we are primarily interested in how can we affect the mountain of education in our nation. You know, the early missionaries understood the strong relationship between the Christian faith and education. Their main motivation was this, and here's a statement from one of them. Some degree of education must be added to enable believers to read the word of God for themselves in their native language. So they said, look, when we're doing missions, we must also educate people. Why? Our motivation is, if we can educate them, they can read the Bible in their own language. So they saw the strong relationship between mission work and education. Here's another quote from uh, a missionary uh, named C.B. Leupold. Uh, He came to India in 1832 and uh, uh, worked in Benares. And here's what he said. He said, Another means which we think of the greatest importance next to the preaching of the gospel are schools or the training up of the young people in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now this is so encouraging that right from the beginning, when missionaries went up, they saw the close relationship between education and missions. It needs to go together. There were some notable missionaries who affected the educational system in India. William Carey is one of them. He came to India in 1793 and in 1794 he set up his first school. 
And a year later, he outlined his plan to set up a college. And today, Sarampur is, is known for it. And William Carey made this statement. He said, one of the most effectual means of spreading the light of the gospel up through the world is were schools. William Carey noticed that. Alexander Duff was a Scottish Presbyterian missionary. He came to India in 1830. He spent several decades in India. And he had a major influence on the educational system of our country. His strategy was this. He said, I'm going to affect the Brahmins. They are the high class. I'm going to teach them English. His idea was, if I can affect them, the minority, but who have people who have high influence, if I can affect them, they can affect the rest. So here are some of his statements, Alexander Duff in his name. And he's done a lot to the education system in India. Here's what he said. He said, in the very act of acquiring English... The mind in grasping the import of new terms is perpetually brought in contact with the new ideas, the new truths. So that by the time the language has been mastered, the student must be tenfold less the child of pantheism, idolatry and superstition than before. So he said in the process of learning English, they're also going to be open, their eyes are going to be open to understand that some of the things that um, they believe in are really not right. And that was his approach. And so, it's really encouraging to see how Christian missions couple education and use the schools and colleges as a vehicle to, to not only give quality education, but also enlighten people and prepare them to receive the truth of the gospel. The World Missionary Conference of 1910, in talking about missionary education, presented these four aims. Now, you may or may not necessarily agree with all those aims, but I find this very interesting. And here are the four aims that they set up right back there in 1910. Number one, education may be conducted primarily with an evangelistic purpose being viewed either as an attractive force to bring the youth under the influence of Christianity or as itself an evangelistic agency. Number two, education may be primarily edificatory insofar as the school has for its object the development of a Christian community through the enlightenment and training of its members. Number three, which I really like. Education may be leavening insofar as through it, the life of the nation is gradually permeated with the principle of truth. That's powerful. That it becomes a means of the slowly permeating the entire nation with the truth of God. And number four, the motive for missionary education may include the philanthropic desire to promote the general welfare of the people. Interesting that back in 1910, they established these as the aims of missionary education. Some of the early missionaries, of course, faced challenges. What were some of the challenges they faced in the education of our nation? I'm just listing them, not in any sense to put down our nation or to put down our own people, our own country. But just to highlight that these were some of the challenges that were faced in the early years of uh, education. Some of the things that were listed out was the institution of caste. Uh, the absence of all religious and social liberty, the utterly perverted standard of, standard of conduct, the supremacy of the Brahmin class, the polytheistic idolatry, the fear of malignant demons, the belief in religious merit, pantheistic teaching, the degradation of women, the degradation of low caste, and a whole jungle of superstitious beliefs and corrupt practices. Now, in urban settings, this may not be so prevalent. In our cities, we may not face these things. But it is quite possible that when we go into rural areas, these are some of the major challenges we will still face in trying to bring education to people. And a major portion of our nation still lives in 
rural settings. CMC Velour is a great testimony. Back in the early 1900s, Ida Scudder, a doctor, her motivation was, an American doctor, her motivation was to educate women in medicine. Just to educate women in medicine. Say, how can I educate some of these women? And with that in mind, she started a little school there to educate some women. Train some women up in medicine. And today, it's such a big institution. Ah, about 2,000 beds in the hospital, about 5,000 outpatients every day. People coming in to, the, to CMC Velo from all over India and from neighboring countries, some from Africa, Middle East, elsewhere. All began and one woman felt the burden to educate other women. And what a great workers, uh, what a great legacy she's left. And interestingly, some of the world's premier institutions like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were originally established as what we could call as mission institutions to train up, educate people in the way of the Lord. Yale began in 1701 as a school with this uh, mandate wherein youth may be instructed in the arts and science through the blessing of Almighty God may be fitted for public employment both in church and civil state. That's the foundation of some of these world's premier institutions. So it's very encouraging that the church has recognized that education is an important area to begin to influence. Amen? And if anything, we must increase that in our city and in our nation. How do we do it? What principles can we take to the mountain of education? I'm not talking about a whole lot here, just a few things. Number one is a fear of the Lord. When you go in on the mountain, you maintain the fear of the Lord. You don't become another atheistic, humanistic unbeliever. Right? You maintain the fear of the Lord. You will face atheism. You will face humanism. You say, I fear God. The Bible so clearly states in Psalm 111 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a principle you carry in to this mountain of education. Another important thing, another important principle that you and I can carry into the mountain of education is that we walk and we yield to the truth. And what is truth? Jesus said in John 17, 17, Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So as a believer on the mountain of education, you bring everything, all knowledge, all learning, all understanding, subject to what the word of God says. Amen? Because his word is truth. So if there's any theory that contradicts the word of God, you have a reason to question it. Because you live by the truth of the word of God. And Psalm 130 says, The entrance of his word is what gives us light. It brings illumination. His word is your standard. And number three, the third principle on the mountain of education is to walk in humility. As we said, pride is a major challenge. You counter it by walking in humility. No matter how, high, how educated you may be, no matter how much learning and understanding and knowledge you acquire, you still walk with the spirit of humility. God said in Jeremiah 9.23, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. But let him who glories, glory in this, that he knows and understands me. There's nothing wrong with acquiring knowledge and wisdom and understanding and learning, but you don't boast in it. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Amen. James chapter 3 talks about, and describes to us godly wisdom. He says, verses 13 to 17, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So you're wise, says, let your life demonstrate meekness of wisdom. That wisdom that can walk in meekness is the God kind of wisdom. James continues, he says, If you have envy and self-seeking in your hearts, you, you do, do not boast, you're lying against the truth. That kind of wisdom doesn't descend from God, but is earthly and sensual and demonic. In verse 17 he says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, 
It's peaceful. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good, good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. So he draws a distinction between the wisdom that's of this world, which is sensual, earthly, and demonic, and wisdom that comes from God. The learning, the understanding that comes from God. And he says, if you've got that kind of wisdom, show it through your life. Walking in meekness of wisdom. Humility. Something we must carry into this mountain of education. Amen. Are you all still with me? Okay. Just like to know you're still there. There are gifts and anointings that God gives us for the mountain of education. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom, understanding, revelation and counsel. You walk in the anointing of God. You can tap into the wisdom, the counsel, the revelation, the understanding that comes from God. And God anoints us as teachers in the mountain of education. There's an anointing to be a teacher on this. Lastly, before we pray on the, for this mountain, what strategies can we use to affect the mountain of education? How can we really affect the mountain of education? There are many, many strategies. Like I started, talked about the establishing of schools where Christian education, our godly principles, the word of God becomes a part of the education. It's a wonderful thing. And it's great to see godly men and women of God establishing Christian schools and institutions around our nation. I think that's a wonderful thing. Also beginning to go into schools to bring value education, like what we're doing with Catalyst. Catalyst is a program that we have in our church. We go into schools and we bring value education and scripture education to schools, in schools. I think that's a great way to begin to affect our educational system. Some other things that we can do is even to, is to affect the curriculum. But of course, you need to be in a position to do that. You need to be a principal or you need to be a member of the Board of Education to say that, hey, our curriculum must also include values and godly principles. C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said, education without values, as useful as, as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. So, we must introduce godly values into our curriculum. Bring in biblical principles into our curriculum, you can affect the hearts and minds of people, affect the culture, ready them for the gospel. Come up with new methods of learning. You know, unfortunately, major part of our educational system is, has only one method of learning. It's learning by heart. Whether you understand it or not, as long as you can learn it by heart. It's quote-unquote by heart. You're not <laughs> really bad. As long as you can learn it by heart and get good marks, you've made it for life. There is no real... In a question of, have you really understood it? Have you really understood how to use it when you go out into the world? Uh, have you uh, made it a part of your decision-making process and so on? Unfortunately, that is a gaping hole in our educational system. So if you and I can come up with some methods of learning which really address the purpose of education, which is not to learn some things for the sake of memory, but to transform life, to equip people for, to make, so that they can make a useful contribution in the world. If we can develop those methods of learning, I think we can affect and uh, make a significant contribution to our educational system. Another area that you, can, you and I can look at is coming up with new delivery systems for educational content, whether it's for rural or urban centers, and probably the rural have, would have a larger need. The new ways of bringing education to people, whether it's, we normally go to schools and colleges, but there could be other ways to do it. And uh, for the rural setting, traveling to a school may be a big liability, may be a big problem. So if we could come up with new ways to deliver education, Delivery systems for education. That would be great. And if you're a teacher in school, choose to be a teacher who is excellent. 
who can really influence, because as a teacher, you are, you're in a privileged position to influence the lives of so many students. Proverbs 22 verse 6 tells us that if you train up a child in the way they should go, then when they're old, they will not depart from it. You're affecting their future as a teacher. It's a great, great privilege. You have a lasting impact on the lives of many, many people. Proverbs 16, 21 tells us, it gives us a great principle for teachers. It says, the sweetness of lips increases learning. So you don't get people to learn by scolding them. The sweetness of lips increases learning. When you talk to them in a nice way, when they know that you care for them, then it increases their interest and desire to learn. The sweetness of lips increases learning. Many of us here would testify how our lives, how our faith was influenced in our early days in school. Personally, for me, a school teacher led me to the Lord. So teachers can have a great influence. And, and students, when you're in school, you can make a difference. You can affect other peers. You can affect your teachers. In school, you're on the mountain of education. You have the opportunity to influence. Something, prayer points, some things to pray for, are for the mountain of education. We pray for a release of the fear of God on our schools and colleges. You pray the demonic works of deception, expressed through atheism, humanism, intellectualism, will be broken. Pray that our educational system will become a channel of the fear of God, of truth and humility. And pray that more people from the body of Christ will rise up and begin to affect the mountain of education and make a difference. Amen? You can pray these things. I'm going to quickly now move to the mountain of arts and entertainment. Are you all still awake? You've got energy? Yes? It's too long? Unfortunately, I won't entertain you. We're going to go into the mountain of arts and entertainment. I'll take some time here and just cover this mountain. When you talk about arts and entertainment, what we're talking about is all forms of celebration within a culture. It includes things like sports, dance and drama, performing arts, fashion, music, writing, painting, movies. All forms of expression of the culture, celebration of the culture. The mountain of arts and entertainment. These are expressions and celebration of beauty and creativity and the power of our imagination and and extreme skill, pushing skill to its limits. And arts and entertainment have a powerful effect on people. So what should our perception be? Now, unfortunately, the church has stayed away from the mountain of arts and entertainment. And we say, oh, movies, don't see movies. Dance, don't dance. Music, be careful. Now, so... The church has become so fearful of the mountain and has not really gone in to arts and entertainment. And we need to change that. God wants us there. Now here are some things we must understand about the mountain of arts and entertainment. God's promises that are relevant here. Now we must understand that beauty, skill, artistic expressions, and creativity, they actually flow from God. Amen? Now yes, there's a perverted version in the world. But the original version comes from God. They actually flow from God. God enjoys beauty. Just look at his creation. Amen. I mean, you can stand by the side of a mountain, just stand amazed. You can look up at the sky and see the stars. You stand amazed. There's beauty. There's expression and all of that. The Bible says in Psalm 19 verse 1, And to the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. I mean, look at it. It says that shows God's glory. That, that creativity, that expression, it's, it's really de- declaring who God is. Creation is God's masterpiece in art and entertainment. And in fact, God wants his priests to be clothed with beauty. Now, he doesn't separate his priests from what is beautiful. 
Um, it's very interesting. When you look at the Old Testament, Exodus 28 verse 2. He told Aaron, you know, when you make clothes for my priests, don't give them a white kurta and a white pyjama. I mean, if he wanted to do that, he would have told them, you know, if that was what God wanted, he would have told them that. But he said, Aaron, just decorate the priest. Get the best clothes. Get the best gems. Make it bright. Make it colorful. I want him, the priest, to be clothed in beauty. The priests. Exodus 28.2 And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. I want the priest to be, to be decked up in what is beautiful. And God shines out of beauty. His presence is full of beauty. The Bible tells us in Psalm 15 verse 2 Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. See, God's not afraid of this. Out of the perfection of beauty, He expresses Himself. He releases Himself. And in fact, we must understand that beauty really pours out of the holiness of God. Beauty, creativity, all this actually comes out of of the holiness of God. Beauty is actually a manifested expression of God's holiness and purity. Psalm 29 verse 2 says, Give to the Lord the artistic expression, they all flow from God. Number two, that God gives us the spirit of wisdom, that empowers us in artistic expression. The anointing of the Holy Spirit releases artistic expressions. A classic case of scriptures in, in Exodus 31 verses 2 to 5. When God says, you know, Bezalel, this man, I have filled him with my Holy Spirit. And I've given him wisdom, I've given him understanding, I've given him knowledge. And I've given him the ability for all kinds of artistic expression. To design artistic works. To create these jewelry in gold and silver and bronze and all kinds of things. So, there are many different expressions of the Holy Spirit. Some of us pray in tongues, some of us prophesy. But some of us are so empowered by the Holy Spirit that we express it in artistic ways. Amen. You're with me so far? Right? So, that creativity is actually a work of the Holy Spirit being released through God's people coming forth. And the third thing you must keep in mind on the mountain that God's empowering for this mountain of art and entertainment is the presence of God. That it is the presence of God that is the place for complete, authentic celebration. Amen? Art and entertainment is celebration. It excites the mind. It it enthuses the soul. But the presence of God is the place for complete celebration. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And you and I are carriers of this presence. The presence of God is a place for perfect, the ultimate celebration. The presence of God. The ultimate place of fullness of joy and pleasure is the presence of God. Amen? You say, for me, it's a movie theater. What are some of the challenges in the mountain of art and entertainment? Two major challenges. Number one is perversion. Perversion is just the moving of something that is of God for in use that is not intended by God. It's a distortion of what is right. A misuse of something for a purpose other than its intended one. Perversion leads to lose morals, indecency, immodesty and seduc- seduction. Perversion is a major challenge on the mountain of art and entertainment. Another major challenge is idolatry. Where people who are successful on the mountain of art and entertainment, we make them celebrities. And unfortunately, many of them end up as idols. Can you imagine even in our own nation, when one of these celebrities, something happens to the celebrity, people die for that celebrity. They have so idolized those who have become successful on the mountain of art and entertainment. Idolatry is a major challenge. Where we elevate man 
who's been just gifted by God in artistic expressions, creativity and talent, will elevate them to such a place that they take the place of God. Idolatry. Interestingly, we, we must also understand that there are demonic powers on the mountain of arts and entertainment. Lucifer, as we said again, when he was designed by God, he was designed full of beauty and he was designed with the best music. The best music was in heaven, created in this archangel. When he fell, he perverted beauty, he perverted music. Ezekiel 28, 12 to 17, tell us that, you know, just re- quickly read it for you. Verse 12 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation with the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. And skipping down to verse 17, if you just skip a few slides, verse 17 says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. What God put in him, he corrupted. He began to misuse it. He began to pervert it. So beauty, music, all of this that God put in Satan, in Lucifer, Satan, now when he fell, he corrupted it and is using it for wrong purposes. It's great to see how Christians are beginning to move in the mountain of arts and entertainment. I don't have a complete list. Or somebody can do research and send some information to me. I don't have a complete list. But you know, we're beginning to see how believers are now entering into sports. And they're also welcome in church. I mean, they're not considered outcast. Believers can be engaged in, you know, in Bollywood or Hollywood. And they can also come and worship God. Amen. They're not considered as an outcast outside the church. Don't come and No, no, no. We're beginning to see this change. And movies are coming out which actually carry strong Christian values and Christian themes. Movies like, you know, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ was really just an expression of, of a portrayal of what was given to us in Scripture. And that affected the whole world. Just imagine the world wanting to see the death of Christ and His resurrection, life of Christ. And several other movies really had positive impact and recognition in the world like Fireproof and uh, Hadassah One Night with the King and the Chronicles of Narnia and so on. Uh, These are beginning to affect the thinking of people in the world. Carrying strong Christian themes. Amen. So it is good and we must see an increase of it. And we must see see things happen right in our own nation. Uh, Music and, and, and music is changing as well. And, and thank God for good Christian musicians who not only are able to play music in the church, and we need that in the house of God, we need it in the house of God, but are able to take, go out into the world and be Christian people playing music in the world and beginning to affect that community, beginning to affect that, that realm of people. Amen? It's beginning to change and we just must see an increase of God's people engaging in the mountain of arts and entertainment. What principle can we take as we begin to engage this mountain? Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. And I believe going into the mountain of arts and entertainment, if you can carry righteousness, peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, you can make a difference. Because when you look at the mountain of art and entertainment, you've got people with great talent, but a broken down sense of morality. And you come in with righteousness by the Holy Ghost. You look at the mountain of art and entertainment, you've got people who can excite the world, but themselves look for true joy. And you go in there with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Look at the mountain of art and entertainment. You've got people who can calm and soothe great crowds of people with their artistic work. But themselves, they're empty, looking for peace. You go in there with the peace of the Holy Ghost. A peace which the world cannot give 
and the world can't take away. Righteousness, peace and joy from the Holy Ghost. Those are the kind of people we need on the mountains of art and entertainment. Amen? Such people will begin to permeate this mountain. Begin to effect change. They will be able to walk in the spirit and be excellent in their artistic abilities. Whatever it is. Whether it's dance, drama, movies, singing, music, whatever it is. They will be able to combine the two. God gives us spiritual gifts for this mountain. You know, in the Bible we see that the prophetic and the art are strongly interconnected. The prophetic and all artistic expression are strongly interconnected. In the Bible, you find that the prophets were artistic people. They would write songs. They would sing songs. They would prophesy with music. They were closely connected. And I believe that people on the mountain of arts and entertainment should learn how to move in the prophetic. Because the prophetic is inspiration from God. Art is also inspired by God. Amen. It's just being expressed in a different way. So we need the prophetic. We need to carry the prophetic. And if you are on this mountain of art and entertainment, get trained in the prophetic. Because our creativity comes through prophetic inspiration. Uh, Secondly, as you move into this mountain, understand that your skill is a weapon of warfare. The movies you make, the songs you write, the dances you dance, the dramas you you bring together, the paintings, whatever, they are actually a weapon of warfare. How do you know? Well, we looked at it last Sunday in Zechariah 1, 18-21. That God uses the craftsman to overthrow the demonic powers. He uses the craftsman. He uses these skilled workers. He uses your artistic expression to overthrow it. The powers of darkness. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 149, verse 6-9. to When you lift up your praises to God. That's your music. The expression of the artistic. Your song to God. You are actually casting down the powers of darkness. You are executing vengeance. Or the written judgment on demonic forces. So your artistic expression. Whether it's whatever form it is. Is really a weapon of warfare. When it is anointed by God. Amen. I want to close with this, some thoughts here on how we can, what strategies we can adopt here. If you're a person who God is calling into this, this whole mountain of art and entertainment, I want to encourage you to prepare yourself. You know, the church needs to give permission to people to move into the mountain of arts and entertainment. Amen? So long we've condemned them. We said, don't go close to movies. No. You know, what if you see a godly believer on the screen? He's anointed by God. But that's his area. That's his place where he has to be. Don't condemn him. Recognize he's making a difference for God on the mountain of arts and entertainment. So prepare yourself. Get trained in the natural. Acquire, develop your skill. Perfected, excellent. Nothing less than excellence is acceptable. Whatever area of your sports or fashion or dance or drama. Uh, number, and, and also get tuned in the spirit. You've got to be strong in the spirit. Otherwise, your life will be ruined. So you've got to be strong. You need to know how to walk in righteousness, peace and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. You need to know how to tap into the prophetic. You need to be full of the words that you don't compromise in your artistic expressions. And so be tuned, get tuned in the Spirit. And then position yourself. Step into whatever area that God has uh, called you to do. Whether it's in whatever area. Music, mu- movies, uh, sport, whatever. And then believe God for new expressions. Believe God for some new concepts. New ideas that are relevant to, to the culture. If you're looking at the Indian context, I mean, how about some great movies that bring in strong biblical values in some regional languages that can affect the culture of our people? 
How about some, and if you're looking at the English crowd, the English speaking, the urban crowd, how about strong movies there that can really affect the minds of people, challenge their thinking? But you need to have some new ideas and fresh ideas that come from God. And lastly, demonstrate the beauty of the inner man. And when you walk on that mountain of art and entertainment, that you walk, you demonstrate the purity of the inner man. There's no compromise from your side. You are walking in righteousness, peace, and joy. First Peter 3, 4 says, Let it be the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit that comes forth. You can manifest the beauty of a heart that's devoted to God on this mountain. Amen. As we pray for this mountain, we're going to pray for God, God-anointed artists to rise and take the place on this mountain. We've got to confront demonic powers of perversion and idolatry. We've got to pray for God's anointing to release new works of art, creativity and skill among his people. Can we stand? We're going to pray. Today you've done double duty. You've climbed up two mountains. We're going to pray for those who are in education. I know some of you here this morning, you are, close, you are on the mountain of education. You're a teacher, you're a principal, you're a lecturer. And we have people here on the mountain of education. We have a lot of students. Schools and colleges, you're on the mountain of education. We're also going to pray for people in, our, in, the, in this whole area of arts and entertainment. We're going to pray for them as well. Maybe some of you are interested in it. You're thinking about it, saying, can I go? And, but all you heard is saying, don't go. But this morning we're saying, go, we'll pray for you. We'll empower you. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Get in to the realm of music. Get into movies. Get into whatever God has gifted you with and make a difference. Amen. Let's call our worship team up as we just take a few moments to pray and just bless the people of God here in this place. And as I pray, I want you to pray with me. If you are somebody who's on the mountain of education, I want you to pray and say, God, yes, I want to make a difference. I want to see the mountain of the house of the Lord established on this mountain so that nations can flow to it. If you are a a person who is involved in arts and entertainment or you're considering a career in art and entertainment. And I want you to just pray with me this morning and say, God, empower me, equip me, make me a prophetic person, make me strong in the Spirit, God, that I will be able to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy that comes with the Holy Spirit in this mountain of art and entertainment, that I will be able to make a difference on this mountain. Uh, If you have a son or a daughter who is considering it, I want you to give them the liberty to do it. If God has gifted them that way, release them. Don't force them to be a doctor or an engineer. You know, don't hit them on the head. They may be gifted gifted to do music. They may be gifted to do movies. And you say, but that's not a family tradition. I know it's not your family tradition. But what if God wants them on that mountain? What if God wants them and God has just gifted them that way to be on that mountain of art and entertainment and bear the name of Jesus in that place. Bless them. Encourage them. Support them. We'll be able to see the house of the Lord, the people of God established and influencing the mountain of education and the mountain of arts and entertainment. Father, we pray for those here who are engaging the mountain of education at this point in their life. Teachers, principals, students. Lord, we pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. We pray that they will receive, Lord, the ability, the wisdom, the skill they need to really make a difference on this mountain. Lord, we pray that they will leave a lasting impact on the lives of their students. That they will be able to bring truth into the hearts and lives of the people they influence, Father. And God, we pray for the fear of the Lord to come in the institutions that are represented here. We pray for the truth of God to be established in the schools and colleges and universities as represented here. We pray that the demonic works of atheism and humanism and intellectualism will stop 
and the truth of God will prevail in these institutions. Raise up more men and women, God. We'll be able to establish schools and colleges where the curriculum will combine good education with godly values and biblical principles. Raise up more people like that in our nation. We pray. And Father, we acknowledge this morning that artistic expressions come from you. That beauty is an expression of your holiness. That you are the great creator, Lord. And Father, this morning we pray over people in this congregation who have been gifted with art and skill and talent for creative expression, whether it's in dance or music or movies or other forms. Father, we ask for an increased measure of your anointing and blessing on their lives. We pray that you'll open up great opportunities so that their pack can be far-reaching, O oh God. We pray that you will anoint their talent, anoint their ability, and use it, Lord, to affect our city and our nation. We pray for young people who are considering a career in this mountain, Lord, of art and entertainment. We pray you will establish them in righteousness, peace, and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. That as they take their talent, as they take the creative ability into this mountain, they will go empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference, Father. We pray over their lives today and we bless them. And Father, we ask that we will be able to affect our city and our nation. That the mountains of education and art and entertainment will be affected by godly people. I want you to take a few moments to pray on your own and bring your own prayer before the Lord this morning. Just receive an anointing from God upon your artistic talent, your ability and say, God, here it is. I'm consecrating this that you've given me. I'm ready to use this as a weapon of warfare on the mountain of art and entertainment. But I need you to anoint it, God. I need your Holy Spirit upon my talents. Will you pray, will you consecrate it, God? Come, Holy Spirit. Just anoint your people this morning. Just like you did in the Bible. Releasing creative and artistic expression. Anoint your people, God. Use them for your glory. Lord, we pray that you will birth some new ideas, new ways of doing things in your people, God. To affect education, to affect art and entertainment. Release, Lord, new ideas, creative ideas, innovative ideas. Make a difference. We give you thanks. We give you praise, O Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.